I'll be honest, if I were Peter in that moment, I think there's a 99% chance I would have done exactly the same thing. Peter's friend Jesus came up to him and he told, them, told him that in a couple months it was necessary for him to suffer and die. And so of course Peter said what he said. He wasn't being mean to Jesus, he was just trying to protect him like any good friend would do. I can hear myself saying something along the lines of, Jesus, don't, don't talk like that. We've got your back. We disciples, we wouldn't let that happen to you. Don't worry. So why would Jesus ever call his friend Satan? What's so satanic about helping a friend out? The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. The Gospel for this morning comes from Mark chapter 8. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Get behind me, Satan. Could Peter have been called a worse name? And, and think about who said this to Peter. Could it have stung any more coming from anyone else? Jesus and Peter had been through a lot together. They were close friends. And then here we have Jesus calling Peter a bad name. Whether you've been on the giving or receiving end of name calling, you know its power. I can't think of an easier or quicker way to bring someone to tears than to call them a bad name especially when you're really close to that person. So imagine how Peter's feeling when God calls
calls him a name. I'll be honest, if I were Peter in that moment, I think there's a 99% chance I would have done exactly the same thing. Peter's friend Jesus came up to him and he told told him that in a couple months it was necessary for him to suffer and die. And so, of course, Peter said what he said. He wasn't being mean to Jesus. He was just trying to protect him like any good friend would do. I can hear myself saying something along the lines of, Jesus, don't don't talk like that. We've got your back. We disciples, we wouldn't let that happen to you. Don't worry. So why would Jesus ever call his friend Satan? What's so satanic about helping a friend out? Nothing, really. I mean, that's what's at the heart of God's law for us. He says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So you'd think Peter here would be just an A-plus student, right? He was loving God, and he was looking out for him too. Sort of two birds with one stone. But Jesus didn't take the name back. He didn't say, I'm I'm sorry, Peter, that slipped out. I I didn't mean to say that. So what does that mean for us this morning? Do we need to be worried we're doing something wrong when we care for ourselves and for the people around us? I mean, we're all trying to live good, prosperous lives. And you'll hear this advice all over, that you actually need to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. So you need to get good sleep, you need to spend time outside, you need to eat the right foods, get all your vitamins, all of those things... And then you can care for other people. You can be concerned about other people. Whether that's giving advice to a friend over a cup of coffee. Or mowing your neighbor's yard when they're out of town. Or even just FaceTiming family, checking in on them. All of those things are really good concerns. But what happens when all of those concerns are all of your concerns. The problem is when our eyes are stuck horizontally. And what I mean by horizontally is is all the things that are happening in our lives, all the relationships around us. We're so concerned about living healthy, happy lives and, and living in a peaceful, harmonious society. We're so accustomed to looking straight out, thinking horizontally that we forget to ever look up and think about the relationship that we have with God. Here's something that helped me put it into perspective this week. Sort of a diagnostic check. How many busy days did you say you had this week? Pick a number. And then think, how many of those days were busy prayer days? Theoretically, those two numbers should be the same, right? At least for me, I know those numbers aren't the same. And as I think about the prayers that I did pray, I, I really wonder to myself, how many of those were, thy will be done, Lord? And not, man, I really hope I get my way here. 
it leads us to think about what are we really, really concerned about at the end of the day? We say it's, it's heaven, but is it really our homes? We say it's faith. Is it, is it really just what's on Facebook? Peter was stuck thinking horizontally. And Jesus diagnosed it to him right to his face. He said, Peter, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And just before that, Jesus told Peter exactly what he needed to be concerned about, that Christ must suffer. But Peter didn't understand. Why would Jesus ever have to suffer and die? Why would Jesus the Messiah have to do this? Peter didn't understand that Christ needed to suffer because sin needed to be paid for. Suffering is necessary because sin is real. But Peter didn't see it. He let himself be blinded by human concerns and then he did something that was actually satanic. He tried talking Jesus out of suffering. And in doing that, he tried talking Jesus out of saving the world. Everything seemed so backwards to Peter. I mean, this must have been an awful day for him. Jesus calls him this name. Jesus said he had to die. It seemed like everything in Peter's life was spiraling out of control. But Jesus, he knew exactly what he was doing. He saw the situation clearly. He knew that he needed to live a perfect life because no one else could. A life filled with busy days and even busier prayer days. A life concerned about preparing for us a heavenly home. A life spent not just talking about faith, but a life spent giving it and growing it. And Jesus knew exactly the kind of death he needed to die. One of suffering. One brought about by the consequences of sin. The disciples, they, they couldn't see it. And so Jesus showed them. And he showed you. The Son of Man suffered many things for you. He was rejected by many people for you. He was killed for you. And he rose again for you. Jesus did all of these things for you. See that your sin is behind you and see that life eternal awaits. It took a while for the disciples to see it. Even after Jesus' death had played out exactly how he told them, they were still lost. Jesus on the cross brought confusion. And they didn't think they would ever see Jesus again, but the angels at Jesus' tomb, they had a different story. The women went to the tomb early Easter Sunday morning, and the angels told those women, go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Did you notice 
who the angels singled out there? One disciple, Peter. The same Peter whom Jesus had called Satan, the same Peter who had just denied Jesus three times before his death, and the angels of the Lord God Almighty had Peter's name on their lips. But Peter didn't see it right away. He went to the empty tomb, and he saw the empty tomb himself. But Luke tells us that Peter went away, wondering to himself what had happened. He still didn't see it. And Jesus knew exactly what he needed to do. Before appearing to the other disciples, Jesus let Peter see him. Face to face, just the two of them, two of them, two friends, reunited at last. And the rest of the disciples, they finally saw it too. They were in a locked room, looking at each other with fear and worry, concerned what was going to happen to them. And then Jesus appeared out of nowhere. He walked right into their field of view. He showed them his hands, his side, his feet. The resurrected Lord flipped the disciples' world upside down. Peter didn't think that suffering and Christ went together. He didn't think that that was part of the plan. The disciples didn't think that they'd ever see Jesus again. They thought that it was impossible that Jesus would ever come back to life. But this morning, I want to give Peter the opportunity to preach to you. Peter preached a sermon in front of thousands of people in Jerusalem. Listen to what Peter says. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Amen, Peter. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Did you hear that? And Peter said this was exactly according to God's plan. Peter. He finally saw it. He no longer had in mind just the concerns of men. He finally had in mind the concerns of God. He knew that Christ did need to suffer, die, and rise again. And Peter knew that this message about Christ absolutely needed to be the world's concern. And so he brought that message to as many people as he could. And finally, that message brought Peter to his death. Tradition has it that Peter was crucified. And as the story goes, he asked the Roman soldiers to hang him upside down. Because he didn't think that he was worthy to die the same death as his Savior. His world was literally flipped upside down. And never had he seen more clearly. Christ's resurrection flips our world upside down. With a restored relationship with God, we finally see what's going on. We see that God is so incredibly concerned about us. So concerned that he made his concerns our concerns. His righteousness our righteousness, his life, our life. And he will guide and direct our life according to his plan. 
even when things seem like they're spiraling out of control. He will bring us through times of suffering, times of rejection, and finally, when the time comes, death. But Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He says to you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we have so many things going on in our world today. In everything, Lord, may your will be done. May your saving name be proclaimed throughout the world. And it is in your saving name that we pray.